Our series, as Jess said, is called Overcoming Fear, Choosing Courage in the Age of Anxiety. And I do feel a particular um, excitement and trepidation to share on this topic because this is one that's, that hits really home for me. And um, my hope is that this passage and the word I believe God has for us today will empower our community and that it will cause us to, to believe God for more and to step into that the way that this passage has done that in my life in the last few years. So we're just going to jump in. We're going to read. You're in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers, night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Will you pray with me? God, thank you that you are with us, that whether we are here in this room or at home, in our living rooms, our bedrooms, at a park, God, you are with us. Your presence is a gift to us. And God, we thank you that you are so good, you are so generous, that you you don't only stand with us, you equip us. So Lord, this morning, would you speak to our church about the gifts you have given us, the equipment you have given us, and would you give us the courage to say yes to those gifts? In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So over the last few weeks, we've been in this very long series talking about fear. It's been a lot of conversations about fear. We've come at it from a lot of angles. And as we have talked about overcoming fear, we kind of keep like building up to this idea that there's, what's next? Like, okay, I've overcome fear, what what now? Maybe you have that sense. And so today I wanna talk about that. Because overcoming fear, that is just step one. In the Old Testament, when uh, God says to the people of Israel, like, be strong and very courageous. He doesn't say just like, don't be afraid. He says, be strong and very courageous. So there is a second component to this overcoming fear. And that's what I really want to zoom in on today. That's, it's an invitation. It's actually an instruction from God to choose. And actually in the book of John, Jesus will say to take courage. So that Uh, might sound very, like that's much easier said than done, right? And if you're like me and you have struggled with anxiety, that might sound like something like that's really cute to put on a t-shirt, but it's not like, what do you want me to do with that? Like, choose courage, cool. (laughs) So we want to look at that. How do we actually do that? Particularly in an environment, in a world that could be explained as the age of anxiety. And that is the age we live in. Anxiety is everywhere. It is the tone of everything. It is our social media, it is the news, it is societal expectations, it's in the injustices we see. There is this constant expectation and push that the world is so broken and we just need to do a little more and we can fix it, we can just keep going and trying and doing and and here we are still in a very broken, frustrating, exhausting age of anxiety. How are we supposed 
to choose or take courage in the midst of all of that? Well, to start, as followers of Jesus, we have, to, we have to kind of look at all of that a little bit differently. Because, yes, there is a lot going on, and there are a lot of legitimate reasons as to why the water we're swimming in is quite anxious. But as followers of Jesus, we actually recognize that there's another layer. There is a spiritual layer to what's happening here. Now, I know... Well, okay, so before we can, like, go there, you have to understand kind of the full scope of this, like how your fear and anxiety is spiritual, that feels like you're kind of, I don't, can you do that? Like, can you connect those things? You can. Watch me. (laughs) Um, We're going to zoom in on that spiritual component. And to be able to do that, we need to understand the field, okay? So I'm going to ask you a question to kind of help us frame that field. Now, this question might very well send all of us into panic attacks. So just take a deep breath. (laughs) Don't panic. Just take the question and don't panic. Why do you exist? Don't panic. I can answer that question, which is very impressive, I know. (laughs) Why do you exist, let me tell you. Made in the image of your heavenly father, you exist to partner with him in creation, to foster, extend, share, and speak life to show the love of God, the power of God, the life of God given to us in Christ Jesus by his spirit through who you are and how you live in the world. That's a mouthful. I'm going to read it again a little slower. I know I talk fast. I'm from New York. I'm going to try to tone it down. I'm going to read it slower and I like try to digest this truth. You exist. This is why. Because you were made in the image of your heavenly father. You exist to partner with him in his creation, to foster and extend and share and speak life, to show the love of God, the power of God, the life of God given to us in Christ by his spirit through who you are and how you live in the world. I hope that that like absorbed this time because it's a lot. Now, In this call, this invitation that you have to the fullness of life, you have an enemy. And he is out to destroy life. He doesn't just want to make it annoying or unpleasant or difficult. He wants to destroy it. In the book of Romans, it says that your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He means business. Okay? This is our our battlefield. Jesus, the author of life, the giver of life, who invites us into a full life, and the enemy who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy life. Now, I know you're, it's tempting to be like, why are we talking about this? <laughs> like, the anxiety and fear, this is like you're being a little like, hyper-spiritual trying to connect these two. No, I'm not. Watch me, <laughs> okay? I'm going like, to take you down this road of how we get here, Okay. Now, when we think about spiritual attack, spiritual warfare, we probably usually think about like really heavy, scary things, dark, creepy, overwhelming, life-altering things, right? Well, sneak attacks are dangerous, real dangerous. So I don't actually have to lose something I love or not have something I need. I just have to have this little thought that I could. What if, fill in the blank. And now I start to like let that little what if actually attract other what-ifs. Like, okay, well then, if what if this, then all this, 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 this. And maybe as it grows, I actually start to live out my embodied life, my real life, in accordance with this alternate 
version of reality that doesn't exist. And I start to like prepare or plan or protect myself from the possibility of ever getting to this thing. And as my embodied life starts to like reflect a not real thing in my brain, that thing grows. It gets more power over me because now it's actually affecting my life. And at this point, it would be very helpful if someone, anyone, could come in and say, hey, are you doing all right? <laughs> or what's going on? Or let me tether you back to reality. Or let me encourage you that no matter what happens, you're not alone. But the idea of honestly showing anyone what is going on inside of me only brings me way more anxiety and a lot of shame. And so I hide. Maybe I just like hide the truth about how I'm doing, or maybe I like literally hide. Because the idea of being around people and having to like put on a whole front or exert energy when all of my energy is going towards like dealing with this anxiety growing inside of me, I just can't risk that. I can't risk what's really going on coming out and being exposed and pushing away, scaring away everyone I love. So I'm alone. And from this place of being completely alone, and completely overwhelmed, being completely confused and feeling like I'm stuck in something that's not even real, it is near impossible for me to create, for me to extend life, love, hope, joy, anything, because I'm spending all of my energy trying to protect myself or prevent something from happening or keep everyone I know from knowing it's even happening. And from this place, I am cut off from all life. I've isolated myself, I've, I've isolated my, my vision and my ability to hope or to have faith. I'm completely on my own. And if you don't think that that is exactly where the enemy wants you, you need to know that that is where he wants you. Alone, cut off without hope. Now that might feel overwhelming. And I know, I know that like there's this tendency to be like, okay, so like now fear and anxiety are like, just pray them away. No, I'm not saying like all fear and anxiety are from the devil. You can just pray it away. Easy done. That is not what we're saying today. But we need to know that the enemy uses our fear and anxiety like a portal into our thought life and messes around with us there. And we need to call him out and stop him. That might sound really overwhelming. That might sound really intimidating. That might even make you afraid. And so I have two really important words that God has for you. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. Take heart, take courage. I have overcome the world. And from our text today, Paul says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so today, when we zoom in on the spiritual component of fear and anxiety, we zoom in on the weapons that God has given us to fight back. And we're gonna start with power. Just for a second, like take in this statement, God has given you his power. The God of the universe, the God who made oceans and land and whales and everything, he has given you his power. That's like a, that's pretty big. But we usually, I think, typically say it like kind of like, oh, it's like, what does that even mean, right? Well, when we talked about the Holy Spirit a few years, I don't know, time, like ago, back in the olden days, when we talked about the Holy Spirit as the empowering presence of God, this is what we're talking about. That God's Spirit with us is his power in us. His Holy Spirit empowers us. This is the word, you, the word here used for power is the Greek word that we use when we talk about Jesus' miracles. 
It's the word when it says, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. It is might and strength that God has given that to you. Now, God has given us his power as a weapon to combat fear. In addition to his presence being with us, to the Holy Spirit being with us, and we talked about for the last few weeks, Jesus standing with us, looking him in the eyes, giving us like what we need to overcome fear. He then teaches us, enables us, equip us to do that too. It's like any good father who doesn't just have his kids back, he teaches in the family business. This is don't, like, don't give someone a fish, teach them how to fish. So uh, before I came on staff at Reality, I spent many years in uh, running a camp. Uh, and before I ran the camp, I was just a counselor at the camp, which that's, you know, you got to work your way in, right? So a few years into my working at the camp, the director and founder of this camp invited me to, to consider doing this. And he said, you know, I'm, I'm going to train you. I'm going to prepare you. And I spent about six or seven years working under this director. His name is Moose. Um, this is Moose. You can see a that hat is always on. He is always prepared. Um, I spent like seven years working under Moose and I absorbed everything I possibly could. 99% of what I know about ministering to young people, I learned from watching Moose, from asking millions of questions, from watching him operate, from like sitting in the weeds with him. And there came a day when he was going to hand over the reins to me, where I now I'm not just a counselor. I'm not just like the head of the lady's side. I'm not just like this. I am the director. Like my moment was coming. And Moose stood in front of our entire camp, our campers, our staff. He'd stood in front of families. And he said, this is Streetlight. My camp name is Streetlight. That's like a whole other conversation, but just, it's only relevant for this statement. This is Streetlight. When she speaks, I speak. We speak with the same voice. And that statement did a whole new thing because I was able to do this job. I had trained for seven years. I had learned, I had the knowledge, I had the capacity, I was equipped, I was enabled, but with that statement, I was empowered. All of a sudden, not just did I have the capacity to do this job, when I did this job, I was doing it like out of a place that was mine to do. It was right and it was given to me. This is what God does for you. In Luke 10, he's, Jesus says, behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall hurt you. You do not need a title. You do not need a theology degree. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have been equipped by the Father and are empowered by his spirit with his power, full stop. It's yours. That's it. You have that power. He has given you that authority. The enemy wants you to believe that you are powerless. He wants you to believe that you are stuck, that you are at his mercy, that you are under his power. You're not. That is a lie. Because he's defeated. And the same power that rose Jesus from the dead that defeated him is alive in you. You, uh, you have the power of God. Love. A few weeks ago, Dave taught really beautifully from 1 John how perfect love casts out fear. The love of God is powerful. This is the gospel, that God so loved you that he sent his only son to reconcile you to himself. That's a really powerful love. There's another aspect of love that's really important in our battle against fear and anxiety. It starts with a love for others. Have you noticed how insular anxiety is? It's obsessive. Its nature is to keep us obsessed and typically like self-obsessed. Because at the end of the day, even if I'm anxious about something having to do with someone else, 
what actually has me anxious is how it will affect me. And so I stay in these like cycles of what ifs and oh no's and fears and insecurities and anxieties just completely absorbed in myself. God has given us the gift of loving others as a weapon to combat fear. It forces us to decentralize our focus from ourselves and to put others at the front of our minds. Now, of course, like we have to be careful not to swing too much to any extreme of like uh, self-forgetfulness or codependency, but listen, I have far less capacity to obsess about my own fears and anxieties when I'm actively pursuing loving another person. But that's just one side, because we also need love from others. God has given us the gift of being loved by others as a weapon to combat fear. It dispels the lie that we are alone, that we do not have what we need, or that we are not enough. I love that this letter is written from, the, from like the voice of Paul, who is like writing and reaching out in pursuit of his friend who is wrestling with anxiety. Paul's like, my friend, like, oh, I just, I miss you so much. And I think about you all the time. And I can, you know, you're, you're wrestling with, with fear and timidity with your identity. Let me remind you who you are. Let me remind you what's true about you. Let me remind you like the word God has for you. He has not given you fear. Here's what he has given you instead. That Paul is like this, this person who loves Timothy so well in his fear and anxiety. And practically, even just like physiologically, being loved by someone makes entering into difficult things easier. This is why I will not jump off that cliff by myself, but I will do it if you're holding my hand. <laughs> it enables us, it empowers us to know that we are not alone, that we have people who have our back. This is why as followers of Jesus, we pursue life in community. People who have access to our day-to-day -day life, the small things and the big things. Because like we said before, fear and anxiety, this is a sneaky one. Think of fear and anxiety like mold but not like that big scary mold that like you have to move out of your house because of. No, like think of it like that sneaky annoying mold that grows on the jelly you bought like six years ago and is still in your fridge. That kind of mold that sucks on the life that it sits on and just grows and grows and never gets thrown away because it just doesn't, it doesn't get seen. It grows in cold, dark, unseen places. You need community who is poking around your fridge, poking around your life and is able to say, hey, what's going on here? Do you want to throw that away? <laughs> Maybe we should buy a new one. <laughs> we need that in our lives. People who have, who have access and who we give access to. They, tether, they are a voice that tethers us to reality. They remind us what is true. They encourage us. They comfort us. And they walk alongside us. We need that. The enemy will use more anxiety and shame to try to convince you to keep that ugly, messy stuff hidden. He will try to convince you that no one will love you if you show them that stuff, that no one will help you if you show them that stuff, that if anyone knew what was really going on, they would just run away. The enemy wants you to believe that you're alone. You're not alone. The enemy wants you to believe that you are too much. You are not too much. The enemy wants you to believe that you don't need anyone. You do. And that nobody needs you. They do. And that brings us to sound mind. I love that sound mind is in here because when I read this, what I read is God has not given you fear. He has given you sanity. And I don't know about you, but my anxiety typically is not very sane. <laughs> I, researchers say that we have something like 30,000 thoughts a day. So based on 16 waking hours, that is 31 thoughts a minute. That is a thought every two seconds. That's a lot of thoughts. <laughs> And some of those thoughts are, good morning, what am I going to eat for breakfast today? Oh, I have that meeting. But some of those thoughts 
are, what is that red bump on my arm? I'm going to Google red raised bump. Yes, WebMD. I wonder if I'll have to have it amputated. I've seen those videos of people who play drums with their feet. I don't think I could do that. Like, that stuff's real, but I had a bug bite. It's sneaky, and it tends to just spiral and go. Thank you for laughing at that now, by the way. Um, <laughs> listen, not all anxiety is as psycho as mine. Some of it is extremely sane and real. What if I don't get that job? What if I don't get into that program? What if I don't get that promotion? What if I don't get married? What if we can't have children? What if we can't make our rent this month? What if I don't get... What if I get rejected? What if I fail? These are real and important what-ifs in our lives. But in the same way that my little WebMD spiral starts, so do these. And these honest and real what-ifs begin to grow into these like dark gray clouds that loom over our lives. And if we push on them, what we actually hear them saying is, what if God is done? What if his goodness is over now? And that is a lie. Some of your translations might say self-discipline, and the word that's there in Greek, it represents both. A sound mind, a steadiness of mind, and self-discipline. And self-discipline is essential in our battle against fear and anxiety. When we, th we think about Paul saying it's in Corinthians that we take every thought captive, that is a work of self-discipline. And God has given us sanity, self-discipline as weapons to combat fear. You do not have to spiral you do not have to Google. You do not have to come up with a foolproof plan. You do not have to forfeit your hope. Instead, when we recognize a fearful thought, an anxious thought, a what-if thought, we halt that thought and we surrender it to Jesus and to his goodness and his sovereignty. Now that is easier said than done. It is a discipline. <laughs> Disciplines are process, they take work. And I know that for some of us, it's hard to even imagine thinking that way because we are so trained and wired to already automatically just start going down line. It's, it is how our brains at this point work. The enemy wants you to believe that you are stuck there, that that's just how your brain works. It's a lie. You're not stuck there. The enemy wants you to believe that you have to be able to plan and prepare and make a way for everything to come together. It's all on you. That's a lie. You don't. The enemy wants you to believe that God is done. God is not done. So what do we do with all of this? These are a lot of great weapons, but how do we take them out of their case and start putting them to use? In verse 6, Paul tells Timothy to stir up the gift of God. Some of your translations say fan to flame. God invites us to more than just overcoming. He invites us to run with those things, to run towards courage. And I, I, the fact that it like starts with like stir up or fan to flame tells us they don't, like, they're not arriving as fully formed things in our lives. They are things we are growing in. God does not expect you to show up tomorrow morning ready to take it all on and be done with. Like, it's a process. It's a discipline. We're going to grow. So how do we do that? How do we practically fan these things to flame, stir them up in our lives? Sound mind. You need to start by being rooted and growing in a relationship to Jesus. This is what differentiates what we're talking about from self-help, okay? We're not just trying to like think better. We're trying to say yes to the invitation to a good full life from God. And you can't say yes to the gift of God's full life if you don't know him. 
We have to be growing in relationship to him, walking with him, reading scripture, growing our Christian imagination, doing the interior work of knowing ourselves and knowing God, doing the, sharpening, doing the work to sharpen our, our spiritual disciplines. This, by the way, is one of the really important pieces of a rule of life. We build discipline into our lives. We increase our capacity to be disciplined. When you are daily in the word of God, when you are building a rhythm of rest into your week, when you are weekly withholding food from yourself, you are telling your body, you are not the boss, God is. You're telling your mind, you are not the boss, God is. We need these disciplines. Now, we also have to do this work of actively taking hold of our thought lives. This means that when fear and anxiety start, not when they're already three hours down road, or if that's when you remember, then do it then. But fear and anxiety, we take intentional action to stop those thoughts, to grab a hold of them and submit them to the sovereignty and goodness of Jesus. When spirals start, we take active intention to grab hold of those thoughts and submit them to the sovereignty and goodness of Jesus. When hopelessness starts, we take intentional action to stop those thoughts and submit them to the sovereignty and goodness of Jesus. That might mean that you literally say out loud, stop. Jesus. <laughs> Start there. Do that work. I know for some of us that fear and anxiety have a very clinical aspect to them. It involves our families of origin. It involves our mental health. Anxiety is a, it's a complex thing. And I, you, we need to be able, like we need to hear that you don't have to like pick one. Either your fear and anxiety is clinical or it's spiritual. No, it can be both. Don't you think that like when God wants to bring you healing, he will use the incredible things that he has done in modern medicine to help you do that? And he will use the power of his Holy Spirit. This is not an either or thing. We are not negating the reality that where we come from and what's going on in our heads affects how we think. And you still have an enemy who manipulates that. It is both. It is a very courageous thing to be honest, even with ourselves, about what's going on inside of us. It is a very courageous thing to interrupt our automatic and familiar thought patterns with hope and surrender. It is a very courageous thing to trust God, to believe that he is a better planner and preparer than we are for ourselves, and to submit to him our attempts to try to pull our lives together. That is choosing courage. How do we fan to flame love? This one's harder. It requires a third party. I can't make you love me if you don't. I can't make your heart feel something it won't. Sorry, I can't help myself. Um, listen, community is hard. Finding deep soul ties, real people who will get up in your fridge with you, it's hard. Living in San Francisco, it's really hard because people aren't here long. I've been here for 11 years. I've had like 25 seasons of different friends. And during pandemic, I've watched my, some of my closest friends leave the city. It's hard. Maybe you came to the city during pandemic and you're like, how am I supposed to find like really amazing, God-loving friends when like I've only been able to be in a church building one time in a year and a half? It's real. It's hard. And I, I don't have a solution for this because it is a long work that'll be different for every single one of us. But here's what I can tell you. Don't give up. You need community. Be the person who fearlessly and relentlessly pursues people because that's what God did for you. So certainly you can do it for others. Do it with wisdom, do it with discernment, but don't give up. 
Community is hard, it is necessary. And it's not just showing up, being present in community, we need vulnerability and transparency in community. I would actually challenge you to consider confession as a part of your community. Going back to the fridge, it's not enough for people just to know you have a fridge. It's not even enough for you to open the door. They need to start opening things up because that's the only place they're gonna find that mold. You need people who you have given that kind of access to who are all up in your business. You need that. I would challenge you to explicitly ask two or three close, trusted friends who know you and love Jesus to be in that kind of relationship with you. Will you be the kind of person, will you be the person who I can be honest with when stuff's hard? And can I be that person for you who can hold space for you in that and can walk with you in that? Pursue explicitly that kind of community. It is a very courageous thing to do to show someone the inside of your fridge, literally and metaphorically. It is a very courageous thing to do to trust other people with what they find there. And it is a very courageous thing to do to be entrusted with someone else's stuff and to commit to walk alongside of them regardless of what you find inside. This is choosing courage. Power. Everything we've talked about today hinges on this promise that God has given you his power. And this one is actually a little bit hard because it's such like a meta idea, but it's actually a very embodied thing, power, right? And a lot of us might not have had a lot of experience with like feeling an embodied sense of empowerment. So I just want to invite you to just for a second, consider the last time you felt strong. Just mentally go there for a second. Maybe physically, maybe emotionally. Maybe it was like on that 50th push-up. Maybe it was on that first push-up. Maybe it was when you like aced that interview or when you like just had like the best first date ever. When you felt like you could just take on the world. What did your body feel like? Did you stand up straighter? Did your hands like just make fists? This is what my, I always put the fists with me. Did you just like your smile bigger? You could take deeper breaths in your lungs. This is what it is to be empowered, to feel empowered. And this is what it's like when we, for us to like fan to flame God's power, we first have to believe we have it. We have to receive that we have it. And then we have to like act like we have it. It should adjust our posture. It should make you sit up straighter. It should make you clench your fists. It should make you feel like you can take on the world because the power that has defeated sin and death and fear and anxiety is alive in you. And if that's true, you need to walk and sit and stand and fight like that's true. Now, a big part of this is gonna be controlling what comes out of our mouth because we know our mouth has a lot of power. In Proverbs, it says that it can bring life and death. That's real dangerous if you're a verbal processor. <laughs> it's real, Okay. Now listen, we need that moment to confess what's going on, to say to someone else, hey, this is what's going on inside of us, and then we need to stop giving it power by talking about it. The way we talk about things forms the way we think about things. And so if I'm spending all of my energy telling everyone I know about how worried I am about this thing, well, yeah, that is all that's gonna be inside of me. That can be really bad news, but that can also be really good news. Because in Philippians, it says that at the mention of the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. There's power just in his name. So what if instead of constantly just talking about all the things that are going wrong, we talked about how Jesus is at work in these things we have no control over? What if we like claimed his victory over those things? What if what came out of our mouth was a confession and a declaration that Jesus has already won? And I don't know what he's doing, but I know he's doing something. What comes out of our mouth 
really matters. This might take place in the way that you pray, that you pray with confidence, with hope, with authority that you have been given. Now, I, what I'm not saying is that like, you should just like Jesus coat everything. Like, yeah, my world's falling apart, but Jesus, everything's fine. Okay, we're not saying to like ignore it. We're not saying to pretend it's not there. It is probably the most courageous thing you can do to look your fear, your anxiety, your worries, to look your enemy dead in the eyes and say, I see you. I see what you're doing. And in Jesus' name, you're done. It doesn't mean it's not there. It means that we are not afraid because we know where our victory lies. Now, I, as I'm getting ready, I promise to end. And before I do, I just want to share a story. Um, over the last few months, one of our students and I have talked a lot about fear and anxiety. It's a shared life experience that we have. And for us to share, like, oh, I also have totally, like, gone, like I've gone crazy on that, too. It's been really sweet to, like, share this wrestle that we have together. And I've shared this verse with her. And I've told her how important this verse has been to me. That when I feel overwhelmed, when I fear, feel, feel fearful, that I turn to this promise that God has not given me fear, but he has given me power and his love and a sound mind. And a few weeks ago, we were driving home from church and she was in my backseat and it's COVID. So like the windows are down, our masks are on. It's like, we're on the freeway. It's like really loud. And she was sharing with me something she was really worried about. And um, as she was sharing, I felt it was like there was a balloon in the car that was just being inflated and inflated and inflated with all of the fear and anxiety and just kept growing and growing and growing. And like, I could feel that on my chest. Like I could, it was obvious. And as she was talking, she all of a sudden, she just stopped and she looked at me through the rearview mirror and she said, no, power, love, sound mind. <laughs> <laughs> and I honestly, like I could have retired. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I went, like, that's all, I can't do it. That's all I can do for you. <laughs> like, yes, that is it. Power, love, sound mind, end of story. And like, it's not a light switch. We're not saying that like, you're gonna walk out of this room and just like fear's never gonna bother you again. But I am telling you that you can walk out of this room and you have a weapon to fight it. God has empowered us. He has given us weapons to fight it. I'm gonna invite the band back up and pray. And I'm actually gonna ask you guys at home and in the room, will you stand? We said that our posture matters. So I want to, I want to invite you to like, stand in the power that God has given you. I know it's awkward at home. Like we haven't had to say this for a few months, but I know it's awkward at home and you're in your living room, maybe your roommates, whatever. Like God has given you his love and his power and his sound mind. Stand up. And if you need to receive it, which we all do, will you hold your hands open in a posture to receive, in a posture to say, yes, this, like I, I need this, I want this. Lord God, you are a good father. You do not just have our back, God. You, you give us what we need to fight alongside you. God, you, you have not given us fear. You've given us your power. You've given us your love. You've given us a soundness of mind. And with those things, we can call the enemy out as the liar, the manipulator that he is. Lord, we're there our strongholds the enemy has in our community. In Jesus' name, will you break them? For my brothers and sisters who feel trapped, who feel overwhelmed, who feel like this is the only way they know and so they can't see a way out, will you break those lies? Jesus, bring your truth that you already have victory in those places. We just need to receive it. God, we, we rest in the truth that when we overcome fear, 
and say yes to your, to the courage you call us to, to the life, the full life, the good life that you invite us to, that that is a gift from you that we want. So Lord, would you give us the courage to say yes to it? The confidence that when you say you will do something, you do it. And we just thank you that this is a victory you already have won. In Jesus' name, amen.